Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20 Quartermiss. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, David Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon. This is Don't Trip. America. Aha. Switched it up on you a little bit there. And I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is January 8th, 2023. Let ah, it ride. That is a good drink. <laughs> See, this is what the beauty would be if I could actually, if I actually had the patience to record, video record this show. And, um, well, it's kind of a twofold, really. Number one, I'm done with YouTube because every time I put shows up, I get demonetized. So what's the point of wasting my time putting stuff on, on uh, YouTube, right? But I'm telling you right now, okay, little little backstory before we get into the show. Me and my wife yesterday, uh, I was picking her up from work as I was working on her Jeep. I got her Christmas present done. She got new bumpers for Christmas. Santa, Santa brought her new uh, bumpers for her Jeep. And uh, Christopher J. McGillicuddy came over and helped me. Uh, I put the front bumper on last weekend. Needed a little help with the back bumper. And then getting everything wired up. And so on and so forth. But nonetheless, so I had to take her to work. Now, there's this, she recently got transferred to a different town, um, you know, in the vicinity of our house. So we were just taking her to work a week or so ago. And I was like, I wonder if that restaurant's any good. It's over there. I see it on, sorry, I'm adjusting my headphones. I see it on Facebook. You know, I see, oh, you know, it's pretty good. Oh, it's not good. It's good. It's great. It's, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, ugh. Um, I said, ask around, you know, your work and see if anyone has anything to say about it. And, uh, the consensus was that it was, it was good, but it was expensive. Okay. Now, not to brag or anything, but, um, we're extremely rich, so it doesn't matter. No, I'm joking. <laughs> We've gone to some places. So one per, and I've explained this before, one person's, one person's expensive is uh, another person's, eh, you know. And um, 
we've been to some restaurants that are on the higher end of expensive and then you have mid-grade but nowadays almost anything is quote-unquote expensive so it's really hard to judge when people say something is expensive what they mean um so i looked online i looked at their trip advisory um you know uh, reviews and and their uh, yelp reviews and of course you're always going to have a bad review in there here and there but for the most part everything was was good so i was like okay what the hell so anyway we go there it's a steak and seafood place and um so i was like okay what are we what am i going to drink okay they have a smoked maple old-fashioned and it's made with knob creek smoked maple okay i have knob creek smoked maple it's good i've made smoked maple old fashions and usually the way i make them is i'll do a couple ounces of smoked maple a couple couple of ounces of another bourbon just a non-flavored bourbon you know whatever brand um just to give it some strength because the 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 flavored whiskeys aren't as high in proof than just you know straight bourbon um so i did that and then a little bit of uh some uh, simple syrup and then some some bitters, and it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not like it's wow, this is trash. Throw it away. But then last night we go to this restaurant. And I was like, oh, I don't have that, and I was like, oh my god, this damn thing was so good, and it was light in color. So I was trying to figure out how they made this. Now on the menu it said Knob Creek, uh, smoked maple whiskey. Uh, orange slice, a cherry, and bitters. And I'm like, I'm calling bullshit. Because whisk, <laughs> smoked maple whiskey and bourbon in general is a brownish color. You know, it's not like it's a, uh, a light color situation where you can... Uh, um, it, I, it's, it's hard to explain. I, I did take a picture of it, but obviously we're talking or we can't post a picture. So, I was talking to Chris. We were at the gym today, and I was like, oh, my God, this thing was so good. It was very, had a very strong maple scent to it and flavor, more so than just the whiskey does itself. I was like, they had to have put something in this to lighten it, something clear, obviously, and um, maple-y. So, now, uh, he, he has some stuff, and um, let me see what the name of it is. It's called Crown Maple Syrup, and it's a clear. Uh, it's not clear, is it? No, it's a brown. It's a brown, brown maple syrup, so I don't even know that that would work. But nonetheless, so I go to a liquor store because Chris is like, well, maybe find some maple bitters and then some simple syrup and yada, yada, yada. They didn't have any maple bitters. But what they, well, I'm not even going to tell you what I put in this because I just made it, and it's pretty freaking good. Mm. My goal was to mess around with a uh, with something to try and figure out the flavoring and and whatnot but <laughs> this might actually be better than theirs uh, no offense to the restaurant but what I'm gonna do is probably within this this week coming up I'm gonna post a couple of different TikTok videos I just did one the other day with a drink I made liquid volume so um, if you want to know how to make these drinks the only thing we do on TikTok is we make drinks Okay, so you'll hear Chris, me and or Chris 
when he's on the show, we're talking about we're make we're drinking whatever. If you want to know how to make those drinks, you need to follow us on TikTok at Don't Tread on America. Now, the reason I say this is some of the drinks we make, we make them up in our head. Okay, so this smoked maple old fashioned that I made today has ingredients that. Yeah, you can go to to a liquor store and get you some smoked maple Knob Creek. Cool. But what I did to this took it to another level. And it's very good. So, anyway, with that being said, like I said, I just did one Thursday, I think it was. Uh, liquid volume. It's blown up. Check it out if you want to know how to make that. And then we're going to do one tomorrow. Chris is coming over, and we're going to do our anniversary show. Two years of DTOM. And um, we're going to do that, and we're going to do a new drink. And this is out of the minds of the Detom boys. This isn't something we, oh, here's a recipe. This isn't anything we found. We are literally going to make this drink and try it for the first time on TikTok. So follow us on TikTok. And when we post the drink tomorrow, you can see, number one, how to make it, what's in, what's in it. And our reactions, if we're like, or if it's, yeah, damn, that's just good. Also, make sure you guys are following us on the other social media platforms, um, Facebook and Instagram, along with TikTok at Don't Tread on America, and on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And I think, I know Chris has the Rumble page set up. I think I'm going to get all the passwords and everything from him when he's over here tomorrow. We're going to start, I'll go ahead and back to start videoing some of these shows and getting um, getting video up, mainly so you can see different situations in which we're talking about, and uh, so on and so forth. But also, guys, uh, I want to tell us tell you about our new sponsor, our newest sponsor, I should say, Christian Lawson Watches. Make sure to check them out at christianlawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout. Get 30% off. You got about got a mm, little more in a month before uh, Valentine's Day. So get those orders in now. Don't wait. And uh, uh, sugar water on the 30%. Okay. So a couple of things before I get into the crux of this show, because I'm trying, I'm going to not get too topical, uh, except for one issue that I want to talk about. And um, and then I'm going to go into a little story about what, uh, what's been on my mind this morning. And... Um, and the reason I say I don't want to get too topical, because like I said, we're doing our anniversary show tomorrow, which I'm sure will be very topical. We're going to go over some things that we've done over the past two years, show-wise. and But we're going to reference back to shows and, and bring it back to the future as far as why, what, when, who, how, what, you know what I'm saying? And go over just different situations. So check it out. Make sure you're subscribing to the show on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And most importantly, guys, please share this with your friends. Um, so with that being said, on Friday, I did a show about something. I, I don't remember what it was. I blacked out. No. So we, we talked about the, um, the Supreme, or no, Supreme Court. Well, we talked about the Speaker of the House drama. And I closed the show by saying that they adjourned the House and they're going to take another vote at 10 o'clock that night, Friday night. And I told you, I guarantee you at 10 o'clock Friday night, uh, Kevin McCarthy will be Speaker of the House, which obviously happened. Um, and then I also talked about Supreme Court case um, number 22-380. 
and went into that detail. If, if you haven't listened to Friday's show yet, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'm just going to kind of give you the overview. So go back and listen to Friday's show if you haven't yet, and uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the Supreme Court case. But here's the thing. <clears throat> so the Supreme Court case, um, you're going to hear two theories, okay? So allegedly, I shouldn't say allegedly, the Supreme Court has heard this case. They took the case up back in November, okay? I think it was the 24th of November, if I recall. They've heard the case. Supposedly, this is where the supposedly comes in, a decision has been made on the case. Not a decision on to whether or not they're going to hear the case. They already have heard the case. They've already decided to hear the case and have heard the case. The decision supposedly has already come down but hasn't been publicized. Now, whatever the decision is in this case is supposed to break tomorrow on Monday morning or Monday at some point, tomorrow the 9th. And um, <clears throat> one of two things is going to happen, okay? Either one, nothing is going to happen. You're not going to hear anything about. Um, you're not going to hear anything about Supreme Court case uh, number two two three eight zero, other than the few places that are talking about it, like here, and you might see it here and there. But no one on mainstream media, Fox, CNN, no one's talking about it. At least not yet. I haven't heard. I haven't watched Tucker Carlson from Friday night. Maybe he did. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I haven't seen anyone talk about it. Um, so either if this case is uh, decided or it's already supposedly been decided, it just hasn't been announced. If that breaks Monday... Like I said, one of two things is going to happen. Either nothing's going to happen, you're not going to hear anything about the case, and life goes on, which I'm not saying isn't going to happen, but more than likely, I would say there's a 50-50 chance, but there's probably a 75-25% to chance that that's what happens. Um, now, the conspiracy theory on this case is this. Now... The case is legit. You can look it up. I'm not making it up. The The case is not a conspiracy theory. It's a legitimate case. The Supreme Court has heard the case. It's all legit. This isn't the D. Tomkin or a Q, uh, whatever conspiracy theory. It's a legitimate case. Okay? Here's the conspiracy theory. So on Friday, you, seen, you saw a lot of people get bent out of shape because Trump got involved in the Speaker of the House situation and I think Thursday Wednesday or Thursday whatever it was you saw a lot of people get bad out of shape because Trump was supporting McCarthy even I talked about it saying McCarthy's not your friend um you saw Matt Gates and Bobert and Chip Roy and these other Congress people say the things they said okay and then on Friday they all kind of flipped the script, whether they voted for McCarthy or voted present, which lowered the standard to get him in. Um, now, the conspiracy theory is this. So Trump was involved. A lot of people are like, why is he getting involved? What, you know, he doesn't, he shouldn't want these people, blah, 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 blah. Here's the conspiracy theory. And this surrounds that uh, Supreme Court case. If in order for the Supreme Court case to have... Um, to be able to do its thing, 
let's say that the the justices vote on that case and say yes this that is what we need to do and like i said i'm not going to go into the case again you can listen to the show from friday and you can hear all about it so if that's what the supreme court decide decided they need the congress to be in session okay which is why the speculation or the conspiracy whatever you want to call it around what happened Friday is what happened and that Trump was involved because he was trying to get everything in place this is like I said this is all the conspiracy theory around this case now we will never know if that's true or not until Monday and I like I said if you hear nothing more about this case other than what I talked about on Friday and what I'm telling you right now it's only because they decided against it and no bubbles, no trouble, business as usual. Now, what makes things interesting about the case is what the first couple of orders of business were and are going to be for this Congress starting Monday. So it makes you wonder what kind of backroom deals and stuff were made I don't know I guess like most anything else we'll just have to wait and see exactly what happened now that also brings me back and this is where the, the conspiracy theories fall and I told you on Friday about the uh, Capitol building the Capitol area is all fenced off it's 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 kind of weird looking and uh January 6th was two years ago. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's because the anniversary, January 6th, was coming around. They figured something was going to happen. Okay, obviously, January 6th came and went without a hitch, right? But now the theory is, what if that stuff's there because of Monday? I don't know. Like I said, either Monday is going to be a very exciting day, or it's going to be business as usual and the same fuckery in Washington, D.C. Which leads me into the show I wanted to do today. And how our government, and I know we talk about a lot of things that may not necessarily have to do with this country. We talk about the whatever in Ukraine, whatever about Russia, and different situations in different countries. And we talk about the Bush family, and we talk about the Clinton family, and we talk about other situations that do concern this country. But ultimately, the things I talk about, or when Chris is here, the things we talk about, are not because we support Russia or support Ukraine or against Russia or against Ukraine or against this country, that country, or another country. 100% we are pro-American. And that's our problem with Russia, Ukraine, and these other countries, is because a lot of the things that happen in those countries are because of us, because of this country. And like I've said this time and time again, if you're in my age range, if you're anywhere from 40 to 60, 70 years old listening to the show, you know what I'm talking about by the fact that we've been brainwashed as, as citizens to hate certain countries for whatever reason, because America rules. 
America does rule. The problem is that a lot of the things that happen in these other countries are because of our interference, whether it's CIA, our Defense Department, uh, presidents, senators, congressmen, whatever. Right? And that leads me into the topic of today. So I've been seeing a lot of videos about Muammar Gaddafi. Okay? And we all know who he is. So back in the 80s, it kind of started with with Ronald Reagan continued into the late 80s and sort of to the 90s and um it kind of went away until the early 2000s and enter Hillary Clinton as secretary of state so essentially my question is this who killed Gaddafi now we know the answer to that but why I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Who killed Gaddafi and why? We think we know who, and we, we say we know why, but do we? Okay, so the official narrative, right? Every, everyone knows if you're 35 plus years old, you probably can recall the images of that particular day and what happened. And you can probably recall him being drugged through the streets by what we were told were were rebels of uh, Libya and were um, citizens and they were tired of the bullshit and they killed him because whatever. So the official narrative is this. Muammar Gaddafi, the deposed leader of Libya, was captured and killed on the 20th of October 2011 after the Battle of Sirte. Gaddafi was found west of Sirte after his convoys were attacked by NATO aircraft. He was then captured by the NTC, which is the National Transitional Council forces, and was killed shortly afterwards. Okay, so the NTC, the National Transition Council, is a um, is the is the Council of Libya. So essentially, they were responsible for a coup d'état. Okay. Now we could flash back to um, different State Department employees, various, I should say, who have come out and said, you know, yeah, we do color revolutions. Yeah, we overthrow other governments. Yeah, we do this and yeah, we do that. Okay. So the NTC essentially, albeit Libyan nationals, were funded and controlled by our government by the CIA and the, the Department of Defense. So, in essence, we, this country, we quote-unquote don't get involved until we have to. But we're always involved when we don't have to be. And we do the things we do to make it look like that country, whatever country, is the one doing it. So we, we did whatever we did in Libya with these quote-unquote rebels, the, the NTC, to make it look like, no, it's those people doing it. But they, they just automatically get funded and decide to do this. So the NTC initially claimed Gaddafi died from injury sustained in a shootout when loyalist forces attempted to free him. Although a graphic video in the last moment showed rebel fighters beating him and one of them sodomizing him with a bayonet before he was shot several times. The killing of Gaddafi was criticized as a violation of international law. 
Amnesty and Inter- and uh, Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch called for an independent autopsy and an invest- investigation into how Gaddafi died, which surprise, surprise, never took place. So after the fall of Tripoli, forces of the NTC in August of 11, Gaddafi and his family escaped the Libyan capital. He was widely rumored to have taken refuge in the south of the country. In fact, Gaddafi had fled in in a small convoy to Sirte on the day Tripoli fell. His son, Mutazim, followed him in a second convoy. On October 19th, 2011, Libya's Prime Minister, uh, Mahmoud Jibril, said the formal le- former leader was believed to be in the South Desert, established his government along pro-Gaddafi tribes in the region. By that point, the NTC had taken over control of the pro-Gaddafi town and were close to taking control of Gaddafi's hometown, the tribal uh, heartland in Sirte, east of Tripoli. According to most accounts, Gaddafi had been with a uh, heavily armed regime loyalist in several buildings in Sirte in several months the NTC forces took the city. Uh, Mansour Daho, a member of Gaddafi's inner circle and leader of the regime's People Guard, said that Gaddafi was very delusional and complained of the lack of electricity and water. Attempts to persuade him to flee the country and give up power were ignored. So, that's the... I mean, there's more here. I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing. But, um... The... <laughs> the official narrative... Is that I mean the interesting thing is this the NATO aircraft that was involved fired on 21 of the vehicles destroying one an American predator drone uh, controlled from a base near Las Vegas fired the first missiles at the convoy hitting the target about three kilometers west of Sirte a moment later a French Air Force uh, Mirage 2000 D fighter jets continued the bombing so NATO, quote-unquote, aircrafts led by an American Predator drone with a uh, foot force, the NTC, sponsored by the CIA and the Department of Defense, took out Muammar Gaddafi. So the question is, why? So the official narrative is because... Um, let me see if, if it says it on here. Um, calls for investigation. That's for the the uh, investigation of his death and as to why. Because realistically, the <clears throat> the idea was that he was doing bad things to his country and his people, and he was robbing the country of its resources and its money. And uh, essentially, what should have happened is he should have been arrested on and faced like a tribunal in Geneva. And, you know, that's the official way of doing things. Of course, uh, America and NATO will tell you that, that, well, that was the plan, but then the natives got restless, so to speak. And on paper or on video, that seemed to be the case. But actuality is that these people were probably paid, sponsored by the CIA, Department of Defense, and possibly NATO and the UN, to do exactly what they did, because who who cares about him going to trial? You need him gone. Why do you need him gone? 
why can't he just go to trial and be found guilty on whatever charges and go to jail, go to Gitmo, go to wherever? Why? Well, because then the truth might actually get out. Okay? And what's the truth? Well, that's interesting because what is the truth? Now, what I just read you was from WikiLeaks. Okay, you can say, well, WikiLeaks bullshit, blah, blah, blah. reason I refer to the, the official narrative and the reason when I say, whenever we talk about a story, whenever we talk about whatever, and I say the official narrative is this. We read the story from WikiLeaks because they are the quote-unquote official narrative police. It might not be the truth. <laughs> it might not be the actual story. Thus, it being the official narrative. You understand? So, in digging, in my curiosity, because this all kind of comes around Benghazi also, which was in Libya, which happened September 11th of 2011. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then he was killed in October. Now, a lot of the Benghazi stuff was blamed on a video uh, that someone put on YouTube about you know, about Libya and yada, 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 when we all know it had nothing to do with that. And, you know, the rest is history. And then a month later, they they go into Libya and kill Gaddafi. So, in doing research, I stumbled across the African Research uh, cons Consult. Which is, essentially, it's, a, it's an African, or pan-Africanism website, okay? It primarily centers, their, their whole website centers around Africa, things that happen, happen in the continent of Africa. Not Libya, not, you know, Morocco, whatever, you know, it's the whole continent. So, this was a story by a gentleman. And I'm not even going to begin to try and say his name other than his first name's Henry. Uh, I say that and here we go, right? Kawadwo Amoko is, is the author of this. Okay? So, the real reasons why Muammar Gaddafi was killed. So, you come across this and you think, okay, this we're going to find out the truth. Right? We're not going to find out opinion. We're not going to hear possibly... Uh, the NATO or American or whatever narrative, right? This is a gentleman who's probably from the region. Um, and we've said this about a whole bunch of different scenarios, that history is written by the winners. And the things that we learn in this country about history aren't necessarily 100% exactly how it happened. We're told the winner's portion of how it happened. And I refer back to talking about World War II and uh, the fall of uh, Russia in the early 80s, mid-80s, right? And we talk about those things and we say, I wonder how they were taught in Germany and in Russia and all these things, what the official narrative was. You see, you see what I'm saying? So history is relative, essentially. When you want to find out the truth, you have to go to oddball situations. So here we are. Now you could say, well, that's not New York Times. It's bullshit. It's not the 
Washington Post is bullshit. It's not NBC, CBS, CNN, blah, 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 blah. It's bullshit. It's not Fox News. It's bullshit. It's not Newsmax. It's bullshit. Well, why am I not worried about getting references from any of those? Go to Fox News. Go to CNN. Go to any of those other places. Search why Gaddafi was killed. I guarantee you get the official narrative. Okay? So here's the real reason. Gaddafi was certainly not killed for humanitarian reasons. He wanted to empower Africa. He had a plan to create a new African Union based on new African economic systems. He wanted to introduce the gold dinar to back African currencies so they could become free from the dollar. He wanted to protect Africa's vast natural resources resources from Western looting. The imperialist eliminated him. So, this is from uh, Russian TV 24. Um, it, it was an interview, and it was between um, Peter Koning from Russia T- TV 24. Um, and the interview was given by Alex, ugh, I'm sorry, uh, Alex Knezev from Russian uh, Russia TV 24 with Peter Koning. Okay, so Koning is an economic and geopolitical analyst. He is also former World Bank staff and worked extensively around the world in the fields of environment and water resources. He lectures at universities in the U.S., uh, Europe, and South Africa. So he writes regularly for Global Research, ICH, RT, Sputnik, Press TV, The Fourth Media in China, Telesur, The Vineyard, Soaker Blog, in other internet sites, he is an author of Implosion, an economic thriller about war, environmental destruction, and corporate greed. And uh, that, that, of course, is fiction based on facts. <laughs> and on the 30 years of World Bank experience around the globe, he's also co-author of the, wor- new, of the World Order and Revolution. So this guy's worked around the world in different entities and has probably seen a lot of stuff. So the question's... Uh, from Russia TV 24 were that what were the reasons that Gaddafi was killed and NATO invaded Libya? So Peter Koning uh, says, Mr. Muammar Gaddafi was certainly not killed for humanitarian reasons. And uh, he went on to say how he wanted to empower Africa, plan a new African Union based on African economic system. So essentially what he wanted to do, just to dumb it down, he wanted to do what they were doing, what they were starting to do in Europe by the euro. So you have the euro is the is the money of Europe. So 20 years ago, if you went to Europe, if you went to England, France, Spain, Switzerland, whatever, you could use now each each country had their own money, but they also had a euro, the euro dollar. Now that euro could be used in any country in Europe as long as they were part of the European Union. You could also travel throughout Europe uh, borderlessly, which is why a lot of uh, areas in Paris, you know, in France and in uh, England and stuff are being overrun by Middle Eastern. Now, Whatever, whatever, uh, you know, not that America doesn't have their fair share of, of those people, so to speak. 
But essentially, they just came up through Turkey and just traveled across the, the continent. So, um, and we know that throughout the continent of Africa, not necessarily Libya, but throughout the continent, uh, continent of Africa, we, the Western, the Western world, and also China, is raping, essentially, and pillaging through the continent of Africa for their natural resources, whether it be lithium, diamonds, oil, whatever, gold. Um, and he had a plan to stop that. So as a first step, he offered this lucrative and very beneficial alternative to other Muslim African states, but leaving it open for any other African countries to join. At the time of Gaddafi's atrocious murdering by Hillary Clinton, you know, she was Obama's Secretary of State at the time, and the French President Sarkozy, driven by NATO forces on October 20th of 11, Libya's gold reserves were estimated to be close to 150 tons. <laughs> 150 tons. And uh, also had about the same amount of silver. The estimated value at the time was about $7 billion. Um, I guess it's your guess who may have stolen this enormous treasure from the people of Libya. As to this date, it's nowhere to be found. Now, it's not that NATO, America, whoever, stole that or took that, or whatever the word you want to use there, from Muammar Gaddafi. They took it from the country. So it would be essentially like America being invaded. And let's just say for shits and giggles, that Fort Knox really has gold. <laughs> Let's just say that that's the truth. And uh, that would be like Russia, you know, evil Russia coming into our country, going to Kentucky and looting Fort Knox. Okay? How is that? How is that? Okay. It's not like uh, Biden's being arrested by the world police and... Uh, his finances are rated. No, the country's finances were uh, rated. So, um, Gaddafi, um, Gaddafi also wanted to detach his oil sales from the dollar. Uh, for example, no longer trading hydrocarbons in U.S. dollars and was the U.S. slash OPEC imposed rules since the early 70s. Other African and uh, Middle Eastern oil and gas producers would have followed. In fact, Iran had already, Iran now, had already in 07 a plan to introduce the, the Tehran oil bourse, where anyone could trade hydrocarbons in currency other than the U.S. dollar. That idea suddenly uh, came to a halt when George W. Bush started accusing Iran of planning to build a nuclear bomb, which, of course, was a fabricated lie confirmed by 16 most prominent U.S. security agencies and later also by the U.N. body and uh, nuclear safety, the International Atomic Energy Agency in Vienna. Washington needed, to pr needed a pretext to stop the Tehran oil, oil bourse, which would have decimated the need for the dollar and uh, thereby most probably would have meant the end of the dollar hegemony. Saddam Hussein had the same idea. He promised as soon as the murderous and criminal embargo imposed by the UN, of course dictated by Washington, would end in 2000, he would sell his 
Petro in euros, he was killed. Gaddafi's new plan for Africa would have meant an entirely new banking system for Acura, for Africa, away from the now Western, mainly France and UK, central banks dominated African currency. It would have meant the collapse of the US dollar, or at least an enormous blow to this fake dollar-based Western monetary system. So the gold dinar was not to happen. Anybody to this day who threatens the dollar hegemony will have to die. Okay, now before I read on, the interesting thing about this. Now this story was written, uh, story, this, this research paper was written uh, 2020. Okay. Um, I scrolled up. Let me find out where I was at. Okay. Um, fast forward to today. What do we see happening? Okay. So the argument is Iran tried to start this in 07. They were blamed for trying to create uh, a nuclear weapon. Saddam wanted to do the same thing. They killed him. Enter, that was in early 2000s, enter uh, Muammar Gaddafi trying to do the same thing. They killed him. What do we see happening today? So you have the BRICS nations. We've talked about that before. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South America, I'm sorry, South Africa, but also some other countries are starting to come along with this. Saudi Arabia and other, some of your uh, South American countries and so on and so forth. Now, the BRICS nations are trying to get off the dollar, petrodollar, okay? So, years ago, the American money was backed by gold, which would make sense. Uh, then, I think in the 70s, we changed it to oil. And then we forced the world, we forced the world and other oil-producing countries to only trade oil in U.S. currency, which made the dollar bill so powerful. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, it kind of was taking us off the gold standard, and in those ideas, trying to keep it on the gold standards, got presidents killed. Fighting against the World Bank and the Rothschilds got presidents killed. Okay, and it got other leaders around the world killed. See the last three I just talked about. Brings us to today. What are we seeing going on right now? Putin. Well, Putin, we put embargoes against Putin, and you can't buy oil, and you're not going to do anything with gas, and da-da-da-da-da. So they blow up the pipeline, the, uh, was it, North Star Pipeline, essentially... Freezing out Europe. Russia didn't do that. We did that. Okay. We put an embargo against Russia. No one can buy oil or whatever from Russia. Well, people are going to do what they want to do. You're going to have. You need oil. You need gas. You need whatever to keep warm. You're going to do what you do. What did Russia do? We'll sell you oil. We'll sell you natural gas. But you can only buy it in rubles. So they forced these countries to buy, to trade gold for Russian money to buy Russian oil. Which, what did it do? It strengthened the Russian economy. Who do you think, and you don't hear anything about this, 
Who do you think's losing their fucking shit over that? <laughs> now, Biden's clueless, but the American infrastructure is losing their mind over this. So, what do you do? Well, automatically, everything that's happening over there, we've talked about Ukraine and Russia and da-da-da-da-da. Now, China is also part of this BRICS situation. And they're buying oil from Russia. And they're trading with, with Russia with gold. So we got to focus on China. Oh, they're going to invade Taiwan. You ever notice that anytime we have a problem with a country, it's something else. It has nothing to do with what actually is happening. Is China trying to invade Taiwan? I don't know. I don't live in Taiwan. I don't see these jets flying over above. I can't say that they are or that they aren't. Okay? All I can base my decision on is what we see on the news. I don't know what's going on in Ukraine. What I can say about Ukraine is this. And I've said this time and time again. How many times have you seen a hot war zone that politicians from all across the world, actors from this country, celebrities, just randomly go to Ukraine to say, Hey, what's up, Zelensky? How's it going? You don't see that shit. <laughs> so that makes me question how dangerous of a situation is Ukraine, or is it just certain areas of Ukraine, like the Donbass region and Crimea and stuff like that, which are supposedly areas of Ukraine that want to uh, secede from Ukraine and become Russia anyway. Now, I can sit here and say that. That's what we're being told through Russia, but then you're going to say, oh, that's Russia saying that. Russia's liars. Okay, so maybe, maybe they're not. <laughs> maybe the media is lying. Maybe the Ukrainians are lying. Maybe, I mean, supposedly there was a vote taken in those areas of these people, of the citizens of the Donbass region and Crimea that said we voted three-fourths of the uh, of that area want to secede back into Russia. I'm not going to go into a whole Ukraine-Russia thing. My point being is this. Countries and areas that want to get off of the U.S. currency petrodollar for oil are being blamed as bad guys. So, you know, that means any other... So as I read on here, now this, like I said, this is a two-year-old research paper. So it's going to be interesting to see what they say about China and Russia. So that means anybody other than China and Russia, because they've already had a few years ago largely detached their economy from the dollar. And that's true. I mean, China kind of still, because obviously look at all the goods we buy from China. Um, by implementing hydrocarbons as well as other international contacts in gold and their respective local currencies. That alone has already helped reduce dollar holdings in international reserve coffers from almost 90% some 20 years ago to flat, um, I'm sorry, 20 years ago to a rate fluctuating between 50 and 60% today. Also, the Washington slash CIA induced Arab Spring was to turn the Middle East into a one huge chaos zone, which today, of course, it is, and there are no plans to secure it and no return to normalcy to what was it was before. To the contrary, chaos allows to divide and conquer, to balkanize, as is the plan for Syria and Iraq. And now I'm going to pause right there. Chaos allows to, to divide and conquer. So right now we're talking about the Middle East. We're talking about um, 
North Africa. We're talking about these regions. But what's happening in America right now? Our government has not only they've our government is on a five-sided war amongst its own people and other countries. And it's not a war you're going to read about. It's not a war you're going to see. We are in a proxy war with Russia. Who's our proxy? Ukraine. We feed them money, we feed them ammunition, we let them fight the war. We let their people get killed. Okay? They're on a they're on a psychological war with the citizens of this country in the divide and conquer situation. And then they use that same mentality in other countries to create chaos. Um so where am I at here? Okay. <laughs> One of the Washington-led Western goals of this chaos of constant conflict is to eventually install a system of private central banks in the Middle Eastern and North African countries controlled by Washington. Privately owned central banks, a la the Federal Reserve, where the neocons, the Rothschilds, and the Freemasons would call the shots. Now that brings you back to a New World Order uh, situation. A Kazarian-controlled bank. That is expected to help stabilize the U.S. dollar hegemony as, um, as the hydrocarbons produced in this region generate trillions of dollars in trading per year. Gaddafi also wanted to introduce, or had already started introduce, uh, introducing into Africa, a wireless telephone system that would do away with U.S.-European monopolies with the uh, Alcatels and AT&T of this world. Um, which dominated the usurp of African markets without scruples. Gaddafi was not only the leader of Libya, he had ambitions to free Africa from the nefarious fangs of the West. Despite being called a dictator and deposed by the West, they do that to anyone who doesn't submit to Washington rules. He was very much liked by Libyans, by his people. He had more than an 80% approval rating by the Libyan people which meant the 20% that didn't were probably part of the NTC. Libya's oil fortune had allowed him to create a social system. Now, this is where it gets interesting. In his country, where everybody would benefit from their land's riches, free health care, free education, including scholarships abroad, modern infrastructures, top-notch technology and medicine, and more. Now, let me break that down a little bit deeper. And I don't know that this goes into this, but let me break this right here down. Okay, free health care. So you can make the argument, any liberals listening to this, well, that's what they want to do. That's what Obama wanted to do. That's what Clinton wanted to do. They wanted to have free health care. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is different. In America, the quote-unquote free health care that they want to do is more of a Canadian free health care. By that, I mean you'll have death councils. So what is a death council? And why is there a commercial playing in my ear? <laughs> you'll have a... You'll have um, death councils. So essentially it's this. You're 80 years old. You got cancer. The government will decide, are you worth saving? You're 80. You've got cancer. The answer to that is going to be no. And even furthermore, I say 80. You're 60. You have cancer. The answer is no. You're 20. You have cancer? Maybe. You see what I'm saying? Eh, that's the American, what the American... Uh, free medical wanted to be 
uh, free health care in Libya was whatever the problem is, it's free. And furthermore, if whatever your problem is and we can't fix it, if we don't have the technology or the ability or you need to see like a super duper specialist and we don't have that in our hospital system, we are not only going to allow you to seek health care somewhere else in another country, we're going to pay for it and for you to go get it. That's what they meant by free health care, free education. Now, we're not talking K through 12 free education. We're talking K through graduate college uh, education. Well, B- uh, Biden wants to do that. They want to do that here. No, no, no. It's free. In America, the quote unquote free education that they want to give is going to cost the middle class, people like you and me, money by higher taxes. There's no higher taxes because there's no taxes. It's paid for by the government via their gold and oil and their, their, their resources that they make money on. He essentially was taking the profits of mineral rights and stuff they were, they were making money on and reinvesting it in his country, in his people. Okay, Their, their um, college rate, amount of people in Libya at the time who had college degrees was like 75%. Now, that doesn't mean you had to go to college. You could actually, you could obviously opt out. Okay, but the option was there. Of course, we could say in this, in any country, not everybody is fit for college. You know, so obviously, that's why, why isn't it 100%? Well, not everybody's fit for college. Um, and those were also including scholarships abroad. So that wasn't like you had to go to the University of Libya. <laughs> you had to go to the University of Tripoli and play for the Tripoli NetHens. You could go to America and go to school. You can go to Europe and go to school. You can go wherever and go to school. And it was paid for by Libya, by the government. Not only was the school paid for, but if you were going to if you were going to go to uh, Harvard, let's say, because you want to be a doctor and you want to be a Harvard educated doctor, whatever. <laughs> if you had the grades and you had the ability to go and you were accepted by Harvard, guess what? It was paid for by the country of Libya, your room and board, if there was any kind of, uh, you know, money that needed to be spent for the education, the books, whatever the case may be, it was covered. Modern infrastructure. They were probably the most modernized African nation in that continent. And uh, they were making gains in uh, technology and medicine. Now, that's what we mean by this. Now, how dare he? (laughs) Right? Not only did he do that in Libya, but his idea was to do that throughout all of Africa. Because Africa, the the continent of Africa, is, is ripe with resources, mineral resources. Like I said, whether it be lithium for for the battery powered automobiles, whether it's gold, silver, platinum, whether it's oil, diamonds, other gems and minerals. The, the whole continent of Africa is, is a very rich land. Okay? And he wanted to make an African Union, kind of like a United States type situation or like a Euro, and enable what he was doing in Libya 
to be done throughout the whole continent. So Russia TV asks, why would the gold dinar, dinar be unac unacceptable for Western leaders? So the gold dinar was totally unacceptable by Western leaders. It might have devastated the U.S. dollar as well as European, Europe's control over the African economy, which is nothing less than a neocolonization of Africa, in many ways worse than what happened in the past four, four to eight hundred years of murderous military colonization or, and oppression, which is, by the way, still ongoing, just more discreetly. You know, look at the Ivory Coast in 2010 of presidential elections. Their argu arguably unelected president, Aslan Artura, was in a tie with the people's candidate, Laurent hmm, Cabago, Cabagabo, Cabagabo. Uh, he said he won the election and asked for a recount, which was denied. Atoro, a former former IMF staff, was published in. Or I'm sorry, was pushed in basically by recommendations of the IMF. He is the darling of the neoliberal institutional financial uh, institutions and is leading neocon government in the economy of the service of the Western corporations. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. Modern colonization is well alive and thriving. I call this a financial coup in, in, uh, instigated by foreign financial institutions. Gabagbo was accused of rape, murder, and other atrocities and immediately transferred to an international criminal court. What justice? So the guy asked for a recount. He was trumped up on murder, uh, murder charges, rape, and uh, sent to the, <laughs> the Hague, the Hague, where he's awaiting five years for trial, which started in January 16 and is ongoing. On May 15th of 2017, it was extended at the prosecutor's request to collect further evidence. This is all, uh, this by all likelihood is just a farce to dupe people into believing that uh, he is getting a fair trial. Already hearings in 2014, Gabalgo was found guilty on all charges, including rape, murder, and other crimes against humanity. Like Slobodan Milosevic, he uh, is a inconvenient prisoner, or worse. He could be as a free man, so he will most likely be locked away. And in one day, commit suicide or die from a heart attack. The classic. That's how the West does it with potential witnesses to their atrocity and crimes. See anyone that has anything to do with the Clintons. <laughs> I guess they could have put uh, attacked, um, well, suicide, but you know, mugged for nothing. <sighs> Nobody barks because the free world has been made to believe that by the Western prostitute media that these people are inhumane tyrants. That's precisely what the Western media's headlines proclaimed about Muammar Gaddafi, the, the death, death of a tyrant. On the other hand, in 2015, Arturo was re-elected by a landslide. That's what Western media say, colonization under African leadership. He is protected by the French army. Now back to Libya. <laughs> now what does this all have to do with Libya? Well, it's just to show you, just like in America and pretty much every other country, there's, it's our way or no way. Which makes me wonder why 
you see a lot of stuff in Africa, in different countries in Africa, where the, you, you on the news, oh, the rebels of this country, blah, 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 and they're trying to overthrow the government, blah, blah, blah. Is it is it as it seems? Or is it kind of, uh, I guess in essence, what would modern media write about? Okay, how, how can I phrase this? If the Revolutionary War took place today, <laughs> okay, if it was 1776 right now, how would that be written in mainstream media? You see what I'm saying? Whereas we were taught in history, a book written by winners, that, I'm not going through the history, but you guys know the gist of it, right? We celebrate it every year. What if that happened today? Or technology was advanced at the point back then that there was TV and newspapers and CNN and so on and so forth. It wouldn't be as we were taught it would be rebels. It would be rebels trying to overthrow the government. It would be, you see what I'm saying? So, what's the difference when you see this stuff in these other countries compared to 1776? I should say 1774, but point being. And it's swung in a way to gain favor. Oh, look at these rebels trying to take over the country of Mogadishu and trying to do whatever and trying to in the Congo and trying, you know, these rebel forces are doing whatever. Maybe it's not as it appears. I'm just asking a question. So, um, so back to Libya. <laughs> Take the specific case of France in the West and Central Africa. The French Central Bank um, backs the West and Central African Monetary Union's currency. And uh, the West African Central Bank, for example, is covered or controlled by about 70% of the Bank de France. The Bank de France has almost total control over the economy of, of um, its former Western African colonies. No wonder Sarkavi, a, murdered, a murderer and war criminal, sorry, it must be said, backed Hillary. Also a murderer and a war criminal. Push for NATO to destroy a country, kill thousands of Libyans, including Libya's leader, Muammar Gaddafi. Hillary's famous words, we came, we saw, he died. And that she said, shamelessly, jokingly, and laughing. Would the term uh, human, I'm sorry, would the term human being still apply to such a monster? Russia TV asks, what countries are mostly interested in the Libya recovery and why? What are the chances for the economy of Libya to be repaired? Peter Cohen says, well, if anybody should be interested in Libya's recovery, it would be the first, the Libyans, who are still living in Libya. Because they are now living in a Libya of chaos and high crime, of mafia economics, of tyrants by gang leadership. They certainly have an interest to return to normalcy. North African neighboring countries should also be interested in restoring order and building Libya's infrastructure and economy. Stop, spill, um, stop the spillover from high crime and terrorism, they have lost an important trading partner. Of course, the rest of Africa, who have suffered from continuous colonization by the West after Gaddafi's demise, should also be interested in reestablishing Libya. They know it will never be the same Libya that was there to help their economy 
to help them prying loose from the western boots and fangs of exploitation. And Europe should be the most interested in reestablishing order in the real economy in Libya, cleaning it up from the murderous mafia that promotes drugs and slave trade ending up in Europe. Libya today is one of the key hubs for the boat refugees from Africa to Europe. Instead of helping Libyans to come to peace with its borders and to rebuild their economy, the European Commission launched in 2015 a new European border and coast guard agency targeting specifically Libya, destroying refugee boats it, um, if they cannot stop them from leaving Tripoli, Benghazi, or other Libyan seaports. Of course, spineless Europe doesn't care to say that they would like to remake Libya for, into a functioning state. Libya is Washington's territory, and Washington wants chaos to continue in Libya. As such, Libya's formidable grounds for training and recruitment of terrorists drug and slave trading, a country where crime prospers and the CIA takes their cut, as these criminals' activities are directed by the CIA and their affiliates. Now, when you say drug and tr uh, slave trading, drug, obvious, right? Slave trading. Now, it's not that we're, they're necessarily trading slaves to come work in the cotton fields in you know, Mississippi. That's not what they're saying. This is sex slaves. These are essentially minors that they're stealing from this country and selling around the world to who? Pedophiles? You know, they're sold into sex work, you know, uh, prostitution. The rest of the world does not see that. For them, it's all the fault of the dictator Gaddafi, who, thank goodness, was eliminated by the Western powers. Lords of money and greed. Russia 24 asks, Decades ago, Libya was, very, Libya was very successful from an economic point of view. What main things do you remember? Peter says, Libya was economically and socially a success story. Um, arguably the most successful in Africa. Prosperity from oil was largely shared by Gaddafi with his countrymen. Libya had a first-class social safety net, an excellent transportation infrastructure, free medical services, modern hospitals equipped with the latest medical equipment, free education for everyone, and students could even receive scholarships to study abroad. Under President Gaddafi, Libya built friendly relations um, based on solidarity with other African states and was always ready to help if a brother nation was in trouble. Gaddafi was a bit like Hugo Chavez in South America. He had a large heart and uh, charisma, maybe not so much for Western leaders, but certainly for Libya's own population. Yet he is accused of tyranny by the West and is said of having financial support, uh, financially supported Sarkozy's presidential campaign. Sarkozy, a very leader who then helped Hillary lynch Gaddafi. If that doesn't say a lot about the European criminals, leaders, what will? Muammar Gaddafi was accused by Washington, an accusation immediately repeated by the spineless European puppets, of being responsible for the December 88 Pan Am Flight 103 bombing over Lockerbie, Scotland. More than 240 people perished in that crash. Not a shred of evidence was discovered by Libya and uh, that they were behind the plot. But it was a good reason to start a program of sanctions against the Gaddafi regime. It was most likely a false flag. What interesting would anybody have to bring down a flight other than clamping down on, 
on an oil-rich country. Russia24 asks, Now we see oil production has grown to at least 50, uh, 50% in 2011 level. I'm sorry, has grown to at least 50% of the 2011 level. Can we expect it to continue growing and affecting the oil market? Peter says, yes, Libyan oil production has increased to about 50% of its 11 level. Libya is known for her high premium light oil commanding premium prices. It is a market niche that might well be affected by Libya's stepped-up production, but who really benefits from this production increase? Most likely not the Libyans, but the international corporations, mostly American and French oil giants. They call the shots on the production levels. They are part of the international cartel of oil price manipulators, as are the Wall Street banksters, uh, banksters, predominantly Goldman Sachs. Russia TV asks, the sanctions against Libya are lifted, and all barriers to foreign investments have disappeared as well. Does it mean the country will face recovery soon? Peter says, sanctions may be lifted, but that doesn't mean the foreign investments will now flow to Libya. The country is still in chaos and disarray, and will uh, stay so into the foreseeable future. That's in Washington's best interest. Investors are reluctant to put their money into a crime nest of terrorist breeding ground, which closely work with the Washington and its secret services to provide terrorists to fight U.S. proxy wars around the Middle East, for example, in Syria and Iraq, and now even in Afghanistan. Who knows where else? Russia TV says, um, how do you assess the uh, political situation in the country today? Peter says, as much as I would like to end on a positive note, it is difficult. As long as the CIA, chief and uh, instigator of all wars in the Middle East, is using a purposefully created Libyan chaos to train and recruit ISIS fighters, Al-Qaeda, and other terrorist groups, which uh, vary only in name but have the same objective, namely regime change in Syria. Prospects for the foreseeable bright future are dim. Of course, a lot lot depends on the unpredictability of the Trump presidency. So this was during Trump's time. Will he seek peace in the Middle East? That would be the surprise of the century. Or will he continue on the track of um, dictated by the deep state? Um, Continue destruction of the Middle East? Balkanization of Syria, all as stepping stone to a full spectrum of dominance, as written uh, in the American Bible, the PNAC plan for a new American century, which outlines the American Pax Romana. Um, that's something I need to look into. They were the bloodiest 200 to 300 years of Roman Empire. Here comes the positive note it is unlikely that the American Empire will last long. <laughs> It's on its last leg. When it finally falters, Libya may recover, and so may the rest of the world. Now, it's interesting that that came up because if you guys, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, now going on two years, I did a, a three-part series on the rise and fall of great empires across history. And I ended, the third part was about America. Now, we don't think, as Americans, we don't think that we're in an empire. We just think of America being America. But guess what? In Roman times, when the Roman Empire ruled, they weren't called the Roman Empire, <laughs> right? When Mongolian Empire ruled, they weren't called the Mongolian Empire. They were just Mongols. You know, those places, those those situations, British Empire ruled the world. They weren't called the British Empire. They were just Britain. <laughs> History called them empires. We are living in the crux of the American Empire. And I have stated 
that we are on the downward slope of said empire. Contrary to popular opinion. It is what it is. We're seeing the empire is not going to fall overnight. It's going to, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen 10 years from now, but it's happening. And in this story here where he writes about Trump depends on the unpredictability. Well, he signed a peace agreement with, he was starting peace agreements in the Middle East. He was already signed one in Israel. He was getting things done. I guarantee you that's part of the reason why he quote unquote lost to Biden. And that's part of the reason why, although he hasn't been president now for two years, they're continuously trying to investigate him for whatever. Why? I've said this also time and time again. They don't want him to be president. Why? Because of this. This is one of the reasons. No one talks about Libya. No one talks about, Mo. he's dead. Who cares? Muammar Gaddafi. He wasn't what they said he was. It, makes, it has to make you wonder, whenever you hear our press, our politicians saying whatever about whomever, it has to make you wonder. Now, I'm not saying that all the leaders through modern history that the American government and NATO and UN and whoever has bad things to say weren't bad people. I'm not saying that they were all great people. We, they were just misunderstood. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there's probably some of these guys that because they didn't want to play ball the Western way, they had to go away. Now, why did I bring this to you today? Because I had nothing else to talk about. Now, the reason I, I do these types of stories, and you could be listening to this, and if you're still listening, you could be asking yourself, and maybe you're yelling at me right now, who cares? Well, you should care, and everyone here should care, because... Our government continues to do these things to these other countries. And they're doing the same thing to us. Now, you could make the argument and say, well, they're doing those things to strengthen the dollar because these places want to destroy the dollar. The thing is, is if America worried about America, <laughs> we wouldn't need to worry about oil being sold in the Middle East and people having to buy it with the U.S. dollar. We wouldn't care. We could continue to produce our own oil, dig our own minerals, do our own thing within the confines of this country, become a net exporter of said minerals, okay? And then people would still have to use the U.S. dollar or gold to purchase our goods. But no, we can't do that because, God forbid, the country's not big enough. Bullshit. From the Mississippi, probably not even that far west, but we'll say from the Mississippi River to the Sierra Nevadas is the largest swath, or I don't know if that's the right word, but the largest part of this country, square footage-wise, square mileage-wise, whatever you want to call it. And 80% <laughs> of that area, or that whole area, contains 20% of the population. Okay, so you're talking that area square mileage wise however you want to measure it, measure it out is more than I think it's 70% of the land mass of this country and contains 20% of the population in other words the eastern seaboard from Florida to 
well, Maine, but probably to, say, New York, Massachusetts, that area, and, say, west, or I'm sorry, east from, say, Chicago, St. Louis, you want to say the Mississippi River east, and California, the western seaboard, if you want to even take it all the way up to Seattle, that's fine. That's 80% of the population presides in those areas. Why do I say that? Because all the bullshit they're telling you, this country is too small. <laughs> There's plenty of room to do things. There's plenty of room in Nebraska and Idaho and Wyoming. There's plenty of room in these states to build factories, to employ people that would be willing to work, not for slave wages that we they get paid in China, but for 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. God forbid, iPad, you know, uh, Apple doesn't make quite as much money selling $2,000 iPhones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I think eventually what's going to have to happen in this country for us to remain an empire, to remain a power, is we got to quit worrying about the rest of the world and we have to worry about us. We have to quit taking and focusing on profits over people. And Apple could still be a rich company and all these other companies could still be rich companies if they just focused on the country that they and they could still do dealings in other countries. They still sell iPhones wherever. Just make them here. Focus on America. America first. Oh wait, that's that's like a racist statement anymore, right? All right, guys. That's all I have for you today. Today is Sunday. Rare Sunday show. But that's, like I said, we're recording the anniversary show tomorrow. Um, January 8th, 2023. And uh, please, guys, please subscribe to the show. Share this with your friends. Follow us on the social media. Don't Tread on America on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Dark. And uh, follow us on um, Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And we also have a website, Don't Tread on America.com. You can talk to us on any one of those platforms. If you have any questions, concerns, ideas, drink ideas, whatever, we're game. And uh, check us out Tuesday with the uh, two-year anniversary show of the Don't Tread on America podcast. And make sure to share that with your friends. And then hopefully I'll have some rumble information for you by then. All right, guys, you have a great day. And uh, just continue on, continue on, and... Uh, I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Have fun. <laughs>